0: Our scripture for this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering... He presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go. Into heaven. The word of God for us, thanks be to God. Our scripture this morning came from the book of Acts, which we believe to be a companion book to the Gospel of Luke. What that means is that we believe that the same author wrote both books. How do we know that? Because at the very beginning of the book of Acts, he refers to the first book in which he wrote about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The author is basically telling us, I've already covered that story and I've taken you this far to the moment of Jesus' ascension. But have you ever watched one of these old shows? At the very beginning of an episode, often you will get what they call a recap. It is an opportunity to catch you up to date with the highlights of the series so that you have the information you need to follow the rest of the story. Without that recap, many of us would be lost because we missed an episode here or there that had crucial information. So the author of the Gospel of Luke is basically doing that. He is giving us at the beginning of Acts a recap of the highlights of the story that he's already told in the Gospel of Luke. He tells us that Jesus lived, he did miracles, he he suffered, he was crucified, he died, he was buried, and three days later, He was raised from the dead. He tells us that he appeared to his disciples for over 40 days with convincing proof that he was truly alive. That is the recap that the author wants you and I to have in order to be able to understand where the book of Acts is gonna take us. A crucial point in this recap is the telling of the instructions to the disciples. You see, Jesus didn't just disappear out of the blue. He didn't just go and banish one day. He gathered his disciples and he gave them final instructions before he ascended to the Father. He told them, go to Jerusalem, wait there, don't move from that house until you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, John the Baptist had been baptizing in the wilderness. He had baptized for repentance of sins. Jesus himself was baptized by John. But Jesus was telling his disciples that now they would receive a new baptism, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. But there was something they needed to do. They needed to stay in place in that house in Jerusalem. Isn't it ironic that Jesus sends the disciples back to the very city where he was crucified to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit? That was the challenge, though. Go back and wait. You know, Jesus issued the first stay-at-home order right there. He told them, stay in place. Don't move until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But if you get a promise, you know what the first thing that we most of us do is? We ask, when am I going to get it? When is it going to be here? If I promise you a raise, you want to know what day I'm going to give it to you and how much it's going to be. If I tell you we're going to go on vacation, you want to know where we're going and when are we booking and how are we getting there. We always want to know when that promise is actually going to come. And the disciples are no different. When they heard Jesus tell them all these things, they immediately wanted to know when is this going to happen? He said, not many days from now. You know, whenever I talk about reopening church services at the church building, everybody wants me to give them a date. They want to know when exactly this is going to happen. And it's no different than the disciples. They ask Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom? to Israel? Is this the time when everything will go back to those glory days when we didn't have the Romans telling us what to do? When we were at the height of our kingdom with Solomon and David and everybody respected us in the community of the world? Now, that was not information they were gonna get. When they asked Jesus if He was gonna tell them when this would happen, He said, It is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by His own authority. It was Jesus' way of saying, God only knows. Have you ever heard that phrase? God only knows. If you asked me today, when are we going to reopen? I would have to say, God only knows. Because we don't know yet. It's almost on a week-to-week basis that we have to look at it. As a kid, I always wanted to know where we were going. When we got in the car, I would ask my father the question, where are we going? What are we doing? And I know many of the kids still ask that question, are we there yet? <laughs> and one of the things that always happened whenever I asked that question was that my father would respond in exactly the same way. You will know when we get there. Now it sounds harsh, but what he was saying is you don't need to worry about what where we're going or what we're going to do. He was basically telling me, I got it covered. I'm driving the car. I'm going to get you there. All you need to do is come along for the ride and trust me that I'm going to get you to the destination. I do not see Jesus's words to his disciples as dismissive. He wasn't trying to be rude or harsh. I rather see them similar to the words of my father to me. Words of encouragement that basically say, you don't need to worry about that. God has that. Daddy's in control of that. And it is comforting to me to know that our Heavenly Father is still in control of our destination. He is still driving the car. He is still trying to get us where we need to go. How many times does God say that to us nowadays? I hear it often. Don't worry about it. I got it taken care of. I'm driving the car. Jesus told the disciples that instead of worrying about when Israel would be restored, instead of worrying about when they would see the glory days of of old, that they should worry about being at the right place at the right time to receive the Holy Spirit. That they should be worried about being at Jerusalem and waiting for that promise that He had made them. He said, the Holy Spirit will give you power to be my witnesses In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's comforting to know that no matter where we go, God has promised to send the Holy Spirit with us. He is not only with us, He promises us to empower us through His Holy Spirit to continue to be able to be His witnesses to tell others about Jesus. So why did the disciples need the Holy Spirit? Why did they need this promise, this gift, that Jesus was saying was gonna be sent for them? Well, there's a number of reasons. The first one is that without the Holy Spirit, they were afraid. And we know from Scripture that after they received the Holy Spirit, they became bold. They became bold with the gospel. They became bold in their sharing of their faith. They became bold in telling others the stories of Jesus. They became bold even in the way they prayed for miracles and wonders. Without the Holy Spirit, they were powerless. They felt like everybody was against them and they were afraid for their lives. But once the Holy Spirit came, they were powerful, not because of their own power, but because of the power of God that was given to them through that Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, they lacked understanding. They hadn't been able to connect the dots and all of that stuff that Jesus had taught them and shown them from Scripture. But the Holy Spirit will come to help them understand, to help them connect those things, to help us today understand the Word of God as we read it. Without the Holy Spirit, we lack understanding of the perfect will of God. But with it, we can discern what to do and how to do it. Without the Holy Spirit, the disciples kept doing things through their own efforts. They kept trying through their own understanding in their mind, intelligence, and through their own brute strength, and through their own willpower as individuals. But through the Holy Spirit, They would no longer try to do things by their own efforts and by their own strength and by their own intelligence, but now they would try to do it through the wisdom of God and the power of God that was in them. Without it, without the Holy Spirit, they could not do miraculous things. They had seen Jesus do so many miracles, yet so often they had not been able to do the same. And the reason was because they did not believe. They did not have that Holy Spirit power. They had not embraced it. And Jesus was saying, you are going to receive power to do miraculous things in my name. In fact, you will do greater things than I have done. So you see, there's a lot of reasons why they needed the Holy Spirit. Do you think we need it? I sure think we do. I think we all need that empowerment. I think we all need that strength that comes from God's power being in us. I think we all need that discernment and wisdom to do the right thing in our lives. For many of us, we struggle with getting that Holy Spirit and receiving it and being ready for it. But Jesus does not want us to be afraid. He wants us to receive the Holy Spirit, to be bold, to trust in God. Jesus does not want you and I to be powerless. He wants you to be powerful, but not in your own self, but in the power that comes from the presence of God accompanying you in your life. Jesus does not want you and I to lack in understanding. He wants you and I to be able to open the scriptures and have the Holy Spirit open those scriptures up to us and reveal things to us that we had never seen before. And Jesus wants you and I to believe in miracles, to pray for healing, to pray for a resolution to the coronavirus, to pray for vaccines to be developed, to pray for those who are ill right now that they will recover, to pray for those who are serving in the healthcare industry that they will be safe and protected. He wants you and I to believe in miracles because of God's Holy Spirit being with us. Jesus told his disciples, Go and wait for it. It is coming. It is coming, and you need to receive it. And as he gave these final instructions, the scripture says that he began to rise in a cloud as he was taken up to the Father. And you know, if you were there, you would have done the same thing the disciples did. We would have all stared up at the sky, going, There he goes. It would have been something to behold. I think most of us would have had our mouth open. Just wondering what is happening right there in front of us. Because imagine Jesus is doing a Superman. He's just going up, 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 and away. And they're just looking and they just can't believe their eyes. And the scripture says that as this is happening two men in white robes appear next to them. Whenever the scripture says two men in white robes, we automatically think angels. They appear next to them and say, Men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking up towards heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. In other words, it's not time to be staring up at the sky. There's a place you need to be. You need to be in expectation of the Holy Spirit. You need to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise that Jesus has made to you. I think it's incredible that they were asked to go back to the city where Jesus was killed. It would have been a scary prospect for you and I to go back to the place where they killed our teacher, our master. But that's what Jesus asked them to do. Can you imagine the fears and insecurities that they had to struggle with to be able to go back to that holy city and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit? The day of Pentecost is coming. And you might be facing some of those same insecurities. Insecurities about what will happen in the future. Insecurities of what will be next, insecurities of how you will return to your normal everyday life and work, insecurities of how everybody will recover. Today, I want you to join me in praying that as the day of Pentecost comes near, the Holy Spirit will fall afresh on each and every one of us that it'll come to remind us of the promises that Jesus made his disciples and made us, that we will have power from above, power to do miracles, power to continue to proclaim the gospel, power to be able to be witnesses in Brookhaven, in Atlanta, in Georgia, and to the ends of the earth. Let us join together in receiving the Holy Spirit anew as the day of Pentecost arrives next Sunday. I pray that you can join me as we celebrate that coming of the Holy Spirit. Let Him encourage you. Let Him remind you that Jesus is still with us and that God is still in control. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this word. I thank you for everybody who has listened to it on on this online feed. I thank you because each and every one of them has received this promise of your Holy Spirit. I ask, O Lord, that we will accept that promise, that we will make it our own, and that we will welcome the Holy Spirit every single day into our lives. Help us to seek you during this time of quarantine and every day after.